morning. I'm Emily Jones and you're listening to Subject ACT, Canberra's local current affairs program on community radio, 2XXFM 98.3. Today, we're talking about work-life balance and, in particular, the growing movement to keep work at work. Most of us, some more than others, have had to answer a work email or business-related call outside of work hours. Many accept that this is simply a part of working life in the modern world. However, with a growing movement to get personal time back, we may soon see a shift away from this lack of work-life separation that currently plagues us. To help us understand issues related to the lack of separation between work and everyday life, we're joined by Jan McCallum, digital content editor for the In the Black magazine, which provides information on business, finance and accounting. Jan, welcome to the program. Thank you. Can you start by maybe telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Emily, I'm a journalist for In the Black, which is the magazine of CPA Australia. Excellent. Okay, so you, along with Adam Courtney, recently published an article in the In the Black publication concerning the right to disconnect from work outside working hours. Broadly speaking, can you tell us a little more about the study? Look, we were really intrigued by this. The French government has has become so concerned about people taking phone calls and having to answer emails outside their normal working hours that they're actually putting in place legislation so that companies with more than 50 employees will now have to consult staff on the way, on really on the right to switch off. It's about going home and being able not to answer your phone. Wow, okay, that's interesting. So just backtracking a little bit, the reason for this French government's policy is basically to ensure that there's boundaries between work and everyday life. Yes, they're worried about how work encroaches on leisure time or family life. Yeah, okay. So I was just wondering, um, can you tell us about the effects that having no boundaries between work and everyday life has on people's lives? It's um, well, we were we we're interested in this because France tends to be a leader in this type of workplace uh, legislation or changes to workplace culture, and so we did wonder about is this going to spread to Australia? The people we spoke to thought it wouldn't because Australia actually has protections against this. It's really about um, I think we all have smartphone to thank for this because our employers can call us when we have left for the day and what people are finding I think is that they rush home they're trying to put dinner on the table and then somebody calls oh can you just do this I forgot such save such and such can you just quickly send me off an email about it or send me that document and suddenly you don't. You haven't left work at five or six o'clock. You're at seven o'clock, and you're doing something, and it's really um, impinging on the time that you perhaps spend with your children, or that you actually just need to relax. So, just on the issue of technology increasing the lack of separation between work and everyday life, I was wondering if you were aware of any other drivers of this change other than smartphones. Look, I just think it's the technology and it's available and it's available for employers to use, but it's also available for employees that you think, oh, I'll just have a quick look at my emails before I do such and such. And then you sort of find, oh, it's half an hour later and you're answering something that's 
occurred to you that someone sent through. Um, so I think it can be a bit of both. Well, I'm sure a lot of this sounds very familiar for many of our listeners today who might be struggling with uh, separating work and everyday life. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how it might affect lower paid workers and employees in the professional services in different ways. Um, The people we spoke to in the Australian context felt that often in professional services, people are rewarded for working later at night and they're prepared to do it or they're prepared to say, oh yes, I don't mind, but I'll come in late tomorrow morning or something like that. However, it is tougher for lower paid workers, particularly um, they get home, they're often it's but it may have been a physically tiring day because they've been on their feet for a lot of the day and then they're taking these calls. Uh, Now, we do have legislation in Australia to prevent people being exploited in this manner. We haven't had that many examples, though, of people using Fair Work, the Fair Work Act, using the actual official channels. And there's a view that people actually just leave their jobs because they get sick of it. Yeah, okay. Were you aware of which professions or sectors tend to be the worst when it comes to having a lack of separation between work and everyday life? We haven't seen complaints about it because we think that the people are rewarded for doing it. But I think it will often be um, people in office type jobs, such as sales, marketing, who are often um, thinking about people in um they have clients in a different time zone. Um, it can be people who work in busy, really busy, noisy environments who think, oh, I'll just get home and do that in peace because they just need, they feel they sort of need to switch off from the office and they go home, but they're actually not switching off from work. Um, we don't, because the work, their work system hasn't really been used to, for complaints about this very much. We haven't got much of a body of data on it. Um, as I say, I think it's possibly the case that people just leave if they get fed up. Yeah, yep. Is the lack of separation between work and everyday life likely to worsen in the future? Oh, look, I think undoubtedly it will. And I think that's what's behind this French move, that the French government's saying, oh, this is just getting ridiculous. This is getting worse and it's got to stop. I think the technology is just getting better and better to enable us, whether we think it's a good thing or not. Right. Well, given that the problem of work-life separation is likely to worsen in the coming years, are we seeing a corresponding increase in wages where people are working more outside of working hours or are people working more hours for less? Uh, I don't think we're seeing a corresponding increase in wages, unfortunately. There is some discussion that people are working longer hours. For example, although the the working week in Australia is 38 hours, uh, something like 30% of the uh, working population work more than that in a week um, as a regular. They regularly work more than that. And so there's some feeling that of course, the economy has been under a bit of a squeeze, so people aren't going for pay rises. But also, 
sometimes it's not our employer requiring us to do that. It's people who think, oh, it'll be a bit quieter when I go home. I think I'll have a think about that email and answer it then. So sometimes some of us actually choose to do this. Ah, right. And maybe we need to decide that we're not going to or not going to do it as often. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. Because I was reading uh, an article about that, that actually when you try to establish boundaries between, say, you know, keeping work at work and then switching off, you know, certain hours of the night, it, it can actually cause more stress than if you just sort of integrate the two. Have you heard about that? Yes, I have. And sometimes you can it can cause problems in the workplace if one person goes home and does a lot of work and other people choose not to or can't because of that, you know, they might study at night or they've got family commitments and that can cause problems. And I think employers need to watch out for that because you can lose good employees who feel resentful or think, oh, I just can't keep up with that person who does two hours every night at home um, and have the sense that they're failing. Um, so employers need to watch out, but employees also need to because it's actually not good for your health. Right. So what sort of health impacts can it actually have? Well, people just getting overtired, not having a break, and sometimes, you know, it's not good not to have a break from work and missing out on social social time, social time with their families or maybe playing a sport, their physical as well as their emotional health. Yeah, right. Okay. And so how, um, for anyone listening, how would they know if they've actually gone too far, you know, in terms of doing too much work outside of their working hours for their job? Look, I think if you your family will let you know if you're at home living with other people. But I think often a constant feeling of tiredness is a, is a warning to you. And this is the case of people who are doing physical work as well as people looking at screens all day and then going home and looking at screens all night. And just have a sense of, did you actually switch off? What have you done this week? On Friday, what have you done this week that has really switched you off from work, that you've been doing something like a sport or whatever where you haven't been thinking about work in the back of your mind? You're listening to Subject ACT. My name is Emily Jones and it's time for some music now before we continue our discussion with Jan McCallum, who's talking to us today about the lack of separation between work and everyday life. The track is Money, Money, Money by ABBA.
There's nothing like ABBA's money, money, money to kickstart your chilly morning here in the ACT. You're listening to 2XXFM 98.3. The program is Subject ACT, Canberra's local current affairs program where we explore issues from a curious and informed perspective. Today, we're talking with Jan McCallum, digital content editor for the In the Black magazine, about the lack of separation between work and everyday life. So just on, you know, Australia's regulations or policies in dealing with this, you mentioned Section 62 of the Fair Work Act, uh, where an employer must not require an employee to work unreasonable, urgent overtime hours, and the employee can refuse to do so. I was wondering how this approach differed to France's approach. Well, there's one big difference that in Australia, we have a 38-hour week and France has a 35-hour working week. They're actually, but their government is in fact making legislation to say you're going to have to ask, if you've got more than 50 employees, you're going to have to talk to them about the most appropriate way of switching off and minimising how work encroaches on leisure time. I have to say, I think it's easier to do this in France. Most of France's trading partners are in Europe. So they're in the same time zone, whereas in Australia, we're often dealing with people in Europe and the United States, and some people are going home, firing up the computer and dealing with emails and things in other time zones. Ah, right. So you're saying then, for Australia, Section 62 of the Fair Work Act is actually more effective um, in tackling this issue? Yes, we actually do have requirements in place that you can't require somebody to work unreasonable, urgent overtime hours. So you can't ring them and say, look, I know this, you might think this is unfair, but it's urgent. Um, there are, we do have protections in place. So something that strikes me as a potential issue in regards to the use of these protections in dealing with this problem is that an employee who might be vocal in asserting their rights to switch off from work after working hours might face consequences by their employer for speaking up. Have you seen this being posed as a problem for workers to your knowledge? 
to my knowledge, people have resigned. I have friends who've resigned because they've just gotten fed up with it. Um, so I'm not sure and I don't know that people would actually complain. It's the sort of thing that I don't think they would complain officially. I think they would just move on. And it's the sort of thing we hear from family and friends. Yeah, right, okay. People just, it's often also the case that people feel it's unreasonable, but people leave when they feel it's unreasonable. So they think, oh, we actually could have dealt with this at work. There's no reason, no urgent timing issue, no reason for me to be dealing with this at seven o'clock at night. And that's when people start to get fed up. Yeah, okay, yep. So they, they they see it as a sense of inefficiency at work rather than necessity. Right. So, I mean, your article mentioned the possibility of giving workers time off in lieu as a way of being compensated for being requested to work outside normal working hours. Do you think this would be a more effective means to solve the problem? And can you explain what that means for listeners? Look, I think it would be because people won't mind, ter- they won't mind so much if you, for example, the boss rings and says, look, I know that this might be inconvenient, but how about taking some time off next week? Or how about, you know, in a couple of weeks' time, taking Friday afternoon off? Because that only not only compensates the person, but it shows you that the employer recognises that they're you're actually putting yourself out for them. And I think we all like to know that we're appreciated. And it's, it's also very convenient for some people because you might think, oh, I'll have Friday off, Friday afternoon off, I'll do all these jobs that I'd normally do Saturday morning and then I've got more free time on the weekend. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that sounds like quite a nice solution. I mean, if basically you're being compensated for those working hours by then getting time off later, I think people would find that quite a palatable solution. Yeah. But what's the way forward in terms of getting policies like this up and running within you know, institutions and businesses and places of employment? The people we spoke to in Australia felt that the French approach wouldn't work and they felt it was unnecessary. So it's really up to employers in Australia to talk to workers, I think. And I actually think that's what's going on in the workplace a lot of the time because people, employers do want to keep great staff and they they will think of good ways that they can accommodate those staff. So they might think, oh, you know, I asked a person to come in on the weekend but, and they'll say to them, look, I know I asked you to come in on the weekend or ask those emails late in the evening. What can I do that can make it up to you? I think really it's about employers talking to staff. Yeah, well, that's fantastic if the employer starts that conversation with the employees, but this is obviously not always going to be the case. What can the employee do if they want to address, you know, problems of a lack of separation between work and everyday life? How can they push for change at work? I think you can go and have an informal discussion and try not to be resentful, even if that's what you're feeling, that you might like to... I mean, you need to, for a start, point out, oh, look, I did answer those... Look, I answered those emails last night. It actually took a bit more time than I expected, and I sort of did it between 8 and 9 at night. Um, And then you might actually leave a pause there for the employer to offer you something in return. But then you might like to say... 
how about I finish early on Friday to make up for that time? Yeah, right. Is there any other ways of tackling this issue that you're aware of? Um, sometimes people talk about it at hiring point. Um, for example, if you think you're going to a workplace that's going to have a lot of this um, type of work, it, it's reasonable to ask at the job interview what sort of hours and what about after hours work. And then when they say, oh, well, sometimes you are required to take phone calls or something, um, you might ask, "Is this? how would this be compensated? Does that mean, or does that, mean that I can leave early on one day a week because I study at night or something like that? Yeah, well, I was having a look at other ways of tackling this issue too. And what I came across was a personal way of tackling this issue. Um, Brandon Smith, a researcher on work-family conflict at Ball State University, Indiana, actually did a study uh, which showed that making a plan before you leave work regarding how you can solve problems the following day will actually allow you to turn off the lingering work thoughts that can so easily follow you home. So, you know, before you leave work at the end of the day, make a plan for how to address any issues the following morning. Have you heard of this and do you think it's effective? Yes, people often set up, if you're working in a collaborative space, the way you might do it is to say to your colleagues, oh, look, let's get together at nine o'clock tomorrow and talk about how we're going to do this. And then you sort of push it on to night. You can go home thinking we're going to deal with it nine o'clock tomorrow and we're all going to sit down and discuss it and I think that can help people who feel that everything's being dumped onto their shoulders and also you can get some good ideas from your colleagues. Yeah okay so for any workers listening today would you recommend that there are any actions they can take pretty much straight away to start improving their work-life balance? Well I think be aware of it for a start and maybe you could sit down and if you think, am I overdoing it, sit down and make an, a diary, you know, really, and, or think in the coming week, I'm just going to note down on a bit of paper how much time I spend at home answering emails or taking phone calls or even, you know, going on the train going home. Um, be aware of it and keep a diary and then you might then start thinking about, well, what am I going to do? Am I going to talk to my employer about uh, can we arrange things differently? Should I have some time off for this? And if I'm spending too much time on work-related matters, what am I giving up? Okay, well, just before we go, is there anything else that you think you might like to talk about that could be interesting for our listeners? I think it's interesting to um, consider that this is a two-way thing and sometimes employers don't really require you to go home and answer work emails but people choose to do it. But also um, I know many women who've got kids who leave work early to pick up the children from school and are quite happy to then work, at, uh, to fire up the computer at 8 o'clock at night and do an hour's work. So it can work both ways. It yeah. can work to the advantage of some people. That's right. And I'm sure many listeners might agree with that in that it, yeah. it does suit them um, to actually sort of have that balance where they can take their work home and do it when the kids are in bed or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, thanks for calling today. Um, is there anything else before we go? Thank you, Emily. Look, that's great. All right. Thanks so much.
Thank you. Well, that concludes our discussion with Jam McCallum. Join us each weekday, 8.30 to 9am on 2XXFM 98.3, Subject ACT. You can stream us live at 2XXFM.org.au forward slash listen or catch up on all our podcast episodes at soundcloud.com forward slash Subject ACT. Stay in touch via Facebook and Twitter. Community radio needs you, so please support this station by subscribing via 2XXFM.org.au. Stay tuned for more people-powered radio. I'm Emily Jones. Have a great day.